One year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I want to try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Purpose and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perp Lennon's articles, the Perp Lennon's ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the fur shed, this is the Trapping Today podcast. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Podcast is brought to you by Cotts Brothers Lures, K A A T Z E R O S dot com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. You can get all your trapping supplies from Cotts Brothers, big supporters of the podcast for a very long time now. And thanks, uh, you can get Bates Lures, books, DVDs, traps, and all related supplies at CotsBros.com. We're brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Fur Harvesters is an auction house run by trappers for trappers, and they are ramping up, getting ready to take a lot more fur this coming season. We'll be talking about that uh, sometime in the near future, but until then, go to furharvesters.com to get more uh, news and information on the upcoming fur selling season and how to get your fur to the auction and, and get it sold. All right, well, thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. Um, I am right in the middle of trapping season, so it's a crazy time. It's a great time to be uh, be out and, and about, and it's just been so awesome. You know, I've been doing this podcast for a little while now, and this is, I've been trapping back uh, since I moved back to northern Maine. Uh, you know, it's been several years, but this is the first time that I've actually kind of rearranged things in my life to where I have a little bit more free time to be able to trap. And of course, that free time has been used up pretty uh, pretty quickly by, by trapping, time spent on the trap line. And it's been so awesome. And as I record this, I am getting ready. I just got the truck loaded with about 40 Martin and Fisher boxes and uh, all baited and traps in the boxes and ready to go. And I'll be up uh, first thing in the morning on the trap line out setting uh, Martin and Fisher season opens tomorrow. So uh, it, I'm going to blow right through this pretty quick, I think. But I got uh, all kinds of things that I, that I will talk about in future episodes when things slow down just a bit. And maybe we get a, I get a day off here to, to sit down and record. But um, I, had, uh, I had a great coyote trapping season. Uh, trapped for oh, eight or nine days, I guess. Maybe ten. I have to check my notes. And I, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot, and I caught a, caught a few coyotes. I, I did. I thought I did pretty well. Um, and then uh, the beaver trapping. I, I picked up a bunch of beavers for bait uh, to get ready for Martin and Fisher, and just pulled most of those. Got a few rats here and there, and uh, now we're kind of transitioning into uh, the big Martin and Fisher trapping. Uh, one thing that I like about that is. Because it's, you know, I, I trap and I work at the same time. I work a full-time job. So the, the Martin stuff is on a five-day check. So if the weather's warm, I'll check, you know, shorter than that five-day window. But with that five-day window, it allows me to get out in the woods, in the big woods, up in the mountains. I like to get into that more, I guess, what I would call wild country, uh, up up in the hills, uh, uh, remote, wild and remote for uh, northern Maine standards. It's not Alaska or northern Canada, but it is uh, 
it is as wilderness as it gets here. So that's always a lot of fun, and that's the experience I get. You know, don't catch a whole pile of fur necessarily. It's a lot of work. Uh, it pays it pays the gas, but it doesn't do much more than that. But boy, it it is it is just uh, it fills a part of me that uh, that every year I'm looking forward to. So it's pretty cool. All right. Now we're going to get into tonight's episode. I recorded, I uh, talked with Chris Pope from Coyote Trapping School. Uh, you'll remember Chris, he's been on the podcast before, quite a few episodes back actually. And he's got a lot going on there. He's been been working real hard. He's he's all over the place. You know, he's on YouTube, he's on Facebook, uh, Instagram. And uh, he started this podcast uh, not too long ago and he's catching a bunch of momentum. He's doing real well. So, uh I, I enjoy talking with Chris and and kind of we we're kind of in the same similar types of of situation you know with with things we do with the podcast and all getting all the stuff online and and all that so it's uh, it's kind of neat you know he's from Georgia so you get more of a southern perspective whereas with me you get a more of a northern perspective um, so it, it's it's pretty good I I like it. So we'll talk with Chris. Um, a few other things. The fur market. I, I'm going to give a fur market update. I'm going to do a YouTube video. I want to do it today, but I I, get, I fell behind. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to record a YouTube video. I'm going to do a podcast, uh, hopefully just on the fur market. Uh, there are a lot of changes. There's a lot going on right now. For those of you who haven't yet heard. North American Fur Auctions basically went bankrupt, and the they are no longer in the wild fur business. Uh, Saga Furs, which is an auction company out of uh, out of I believe Finland, they they are deal with ranch mink primarily, ranch mink and ranch fox, and they are working towards buying out the NAFA portion that deals with the the ranch fur. But they they have no interest in wild fur. A lot of people didn't get paid. A lot of people may not ever see the money for their fur and may not see the fur. Uh, I've got fur there. I don't have much, fortunately. But it's it's a big deal. So uh, fur harvesters and Grunwald Fur and Wool are both going to be ramping things up and, and they will be prepared to take in a lot more fur this year and sell a lot more fur. So look towards that uh, for developments. Uh, the other thing, just in general, uh, everybody's been down in the dumps on the fur market. Um, I I see I see a little bit of, I'm a little bit optimistic. I'm a little bit more optimistic, I think, than, than most people are right now. And I'm, I'm definitely more optimistic than I've been for about the past three years. So we'll get into that and we'll talk details and the reasons for that. Uh, in the future, and uh, I've got other things. I've got emails, Kristen, Brandon, and Justin. I got emails from all of you that I have not responded to yet. I'm sorry about that, and I'm going to get to that at some point, hopefully this week, just to let you know I do know you're out there, and I got your emails. I'm just um, going to be uh, going to be out of service here, uh, Martin Trapping tomorrow, and then back to work. So, anyway, uh, we'll catch up on the housekeeping stuff, and we'll talk about. All the different things. I think I could have done an episode every day this week if I had time to do it. I had that much information going on and things happening on the trap line that I could have talked about. But anyway, that's that's that. Let's get into the episode and talk with Chris Pope. Oh, hang on a second. One more thing. I have long distance call lure for you. If you have not got your trapping lure for the season yet, check it out. Trappingtoday.com. Click on the picture of the lure bottle there or go on ebay and just search long distance call trapping lure you'll find the trapping today one um, and pick that up uh, $25 shipped for a four ounce jar of lure and uh, it's it's proving to be a very very effective lure a lot of people use it and like it and have had very good success with it so i did make some sold about half of what i've made recently but I do have enough left. I'm going to make another batch as well if I sell the rest of this out and uh, get a day or two to do that. Um, so anyway, just uh, just go ahead and, and pick up some LDC lure uh, for uh, for your trap line. If you don't already have all your lures lined up, um, that would be great. I would appreciate the support. All right, let's talk with Chris. 
Chris Pope, coyotetrappingschool.com. How's it going? I can't complain. I am glad. I guess I could complain. We've been under a heat wave here lately. I think we set a record for days in the 90s um, for the year, but it's finally breaking. Hopefully it'll stay that way. It's either too too much rain or too much heat down there. Yeah, that's for sure. We ain't had any rain in a while either, but I'll take I'll take cool weather. I'll take one or the other. I won't require both. Okay, so I want to hear you. I want to hear a southern uh, welcome. Hey y'all, welcome to the Trapping Today podcast. How about that? Hey y'all, welcome to the Trapping Today podcast. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I could never do that if I tried. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I don't know how to do it any way different. That's the problem. So how's your podcast going? It's, man, it's going really good. I was noticing, uh, looking when I was uploading some some episodes last month, the end of last month. So I think um, August, I hit 5,000 downloads. And then September was also 5,000 downloads, um, which is the most, uh, I guess everybody maybe is getting ready for trapping season, got it on their minds. That's the most I've had so far. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that, was, that was pretty encouraging. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's it's kind of it's it's one of those things like for me it goes really really slow for a long period of time and you almost just when you are about to think of well, eh, I guess I guess this is what I got. This is what it's going to be. It just all of a sudden it hits that inflection point and then it just yep. grows fast. It's been pretty cool. And and yep. yeah, maybe it is because of the trapping season, but uh we'll take it, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, you got any any specific goals moving forward? Uh, podcast, YouTube, uh, you got everything. You got all that stuff going on still, right? Yeah, man. I really don't have a. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about it lately, but and I don't know that I have any um, any specific goals. One thing that I've 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 done recently, and I, I want to. I, I know you've been doing it. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit, and maybe you'll cover it on the podcast. But your survey. Um, you know, I did a I did a survey a couple of weeks ago now, and just trying to get a, a pulse, a feel for, you know, what my audience looks like, and what you know, maybe what people are looking for, so I can make content that suits what they're looking for, you know. And um, that was that's been it's been really beneficial. Um, you know, a lot of my almost half of my audience is is uh, kind of people with a land management mindset, and so you know, maybe approaching approaching things, and which was took a little it takes a little i guess thinking on my part that sounds dumb but just from my perspective you know i got into trapping for the the fur aspect and and uh just the and just fell in love with it altogether. but i never owned or managed property per se to to where that was a a main driver for me you know right um but and so i've all, I always think about it from the from the fur aspect even though you know, nobody down in this neck of the woods is making much or, or in it for the fur, really and truly. Um, and so uh, that that's that's had me thinking a little bit more of just you know if if almost half the people half the almost half of the folks just said I trap because I love trapping, and that's that's my that's my people right there for sure. Um, but just knowing that you know there's a large majority that they've got that management mindset, and I mean that's what I went to school to do. You know, I got a wildlife biology degree and. Right. I, I like that aspect of it. So just just trying to think about you know how I can maybe help to to I don't know I guess produce content that people are looking for maybe more so than just strictly about trapping. I, I don't I don't really know where that's going to go, but just something I've been thinking about. Yeah, and I felt a, a little like I, I felt bad when I announced my survey. Uh, I think that was yesterday because I just listened that day. I listened to your podcast when you mentioned something about a survey. That oh man, I felt <laughs> like I maybe Chris thought I was copying him on a survey idea because it is a good idea. Um, but I just put it out last night, and I've got uh, oh thirty some answers so far. So it'd be quite a while to to get you know some really good results but i'm just looking at them right now just initially my thoughts would would have been more people in the northeast listening to this podcast it's actually spread throughout the entire united states it's kind of surprising uh how many different states and canadian provinces so far Uh, and then another thing that i noticed that was really cool so far uh, about a third of the people have been trapping between one and five years. So we've got a lot of uh, younger, uh, more more beginner-type trappers. 
Yeah, that is uh, that's one thing that let's see, I was pulling my my stuff up, so I had I had half. I like the way you worded yours a little bit better than mine. I didn't put a na- a time frame on it, but half of the folks that answered my survey said they were an intermediate trapper, so they run a small trap line. The way I had it worded, they run a small line every year, but have room for improvement. And heck, I, I fit right in with <laughs> right in there amongst them. So. And then and then a third said a, a, a beginner setting a few traps, but struggling to make catches. So. Um, yeah, that is, that is interesting. One of the things you might find interesting of the fur bears you trap, which do you spend the most time targeting? Coyote is way ahead of the pack. Yeah, forty-four percent so far. That's so. what I had. I've got I've got coyotes, all predators, beaver, otter, raccoons, and coyotes is thirty-two percent, and then all predators is fifty-seven. Yeah, so. so a lot of the a lot of the all predators would have been probably coyotes if they had to pick one. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's good. It is. It is really interesting because you know over time you kind of you develop ideas and you get emails from people and and stuff and you you think you kind of know your audience, but this is really the way to find out. It, it absolutely is. I, I after I sent the survey out, I sat back and thought, man, I, I kind of wish that I'd spent a little bit because I, I I thought about it and sent it all out within like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I got thinking, man, I, I probably should have thought about that more. So I actually went back a few minutes after I sent it out and added the location question. What part of the country are you in? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think I'm yeah, going to probably do one every year. I think it's a good idea just to do an annual survey and just stay up to date with, with what, where the audience is. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you're right. That's a, It's just it's such valuable information. So you are you're spending a lot of time on the podcast. uh Oh, so Instagram, I got a new phone. I broke my phone a few months ago and I got a new phone and this is how much I've used Instagram. I have not uh, downloaded the app yet on this phone. <laughs> so what's going on there? Is it still, should I go, should I come back? Is there still stuff going on? I think so. I mean, I think with, uh, with Instagram, I'm kind of seeing the same thing with the podcast is at the end of last trapping season, I plateaued at like 9,300 followers. I just, every day if i gain some i'd lose some not that i look at it every day but i just noticed i thought i was on track to break ten thousand, and it just nothing all summer and then lately i've started getting with every post i'll get two or three or four more followers so uh it seems like it seems like overall folks are folks are tuning back in that being said and I, we're not really talking a whole lot about trapping but um i still get probably as much or more comments and interaction on facebook because i just share what I post on Instagram right to Facebook. Okay. And I still get so much more um, comments and interaction, like I say, on Facebook that it probably weren't spending more time there, honestly. Do you Just have for, an app or something that, that that allows you to share both at the same time, or do you have to actually manually do it? No. So in the Instagram app, if you when you're making your post, there will be a toggle. You have to link your accounts. Okay. Facebook and Instagram, which is, I don't remember how to do it, but it's pretty easy. And there's a little button that you swipe. And uh, if you want it to share to Facebook too, and it automatically does it, which makes it super easy. Yeah, yeah. So in YouTube, you you uh, you got. I was looking today. You got like three hundred something videos on there. Um, that's still going well. Yeah, yeah, it's still going. Uh, I've just been doing the posting the podcast through the summer. Um, those those video counts really get bumped up with the daily trap line check. So. Oh yeah, uh, I bet. I bet. But uh, just I've been I've been thinking about that, a little bit about that more of how, you know, not only just doing the podcast and then the trap line checks, but putting, you know, putting. I've almost debated about like remaking some of my older videos about, you know, I've got some beaver trapping snaring videos that have been on there for five or six years now, and I don't know that it would hurt anything if I redid a video and reposted it. Um, so I've been kind of thinking about that. I don't know if that would help, you know, more people see it or. Or what? But Re, you mean repost the same one, or just like re uh, make a, a new video on the same subject? Yeah, just kind of make a new video yeah. on the same set and and uh, and repost it. So yeah, um, you got yeah ten thousand subscribers. That's awesome. And and yeah. are you still selling the course? I am. Yeah, I'm actually. I'm working on it right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna revamp that a little bit to to hopefully give a little bit more. Um, I guess interaction. So maybe doing, uh, especially with trapping season coming, maybe doing like a a member call each week where people, if they've got specific questions, 
that uh that you know go there and 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 kind of interact and answer specific questions weekly um as as people are running their trap line so yeah yeah that'd be that'd be neat if you can find the time to do it yeah that's that's definitely uh that's definitely going to be a struggle i have to squeeze it in there <laughs> and now the bag i gotta i gotta give you some early feedback on the bag Lay it um, on me. i I went out, I headed out yesterday. I've been using it a little bit around around the house here, around the shed. And yesterday, I thought, I'm going to put the bag to the test. So I went out, I just made about, oh, 20 sets, just mock sets. I'm making, I'm, I'm digging my trap beds out. I'm pounding in my earth anchors just so I don't kill myself on opening day, which is uh, in a couple weeks. And, and you know, I'll make a dirt, dirt hole or make a little flat set and put some, I maybe toss a little bit of bait or a little urine on and see if we get any visitations. Yeah. Um, and so I took the bag and I'm going to load this thing up because it really, when you look at the bag, it's uh, the handles and the material that the bag is made out of is pretty thin material. Right. So, so my initial thought is, well, is this really going to hold up to, to heavy pounding? And so I, I beat on it pretty good. Um, I had, two big sod busters in there. I had two different drivers for earth anchors, had about, had a couple dozen earth anchors, a sifter, some urine, some lure, and a few, a cordless drill and a, and a couple of drill bits. And I pounded that thing in and out of the truck and on the ground and back and forth. And I haven't seen a scratch on it yet. All right. You have me working here for a minute. So, uh, it, I, is where where'd you what is that stuff? Is it just a kind of a standard material that you decide to make it with? Did you test that out? So it, it's vinyl coated polyester. I think is is I always get it mixed up, but it's vinyl coated polyester, and they actually make it in different um, thicknesses. And so I when I initially I ordered actually a sample of a whole bunch of different thicknesses and and. Uh, ordered then from that ordered a couple of uh, ordered three different thicknesses to see i wasn't sure exactly what would fit the bill best and kind of went with the the middle weight um and i can't even remember what the what the weight is on it now it's in i think it's in millimeters um but anyway or i can't remember but anyway it's the it's the middle weight um and uh, that there is a, a thicker um a little bit more heavy duty material, but I made the bag out of that material just like it's made now last year. And, uh, that's what I trapped with all last year. Um, you know, took it to Ohio in the freezing cold and, uh, and then trapped with it all last year, 60 plus days of trapping. And, uh, and it, it held up. So that was what I, what, that's, that was what that, I was basing. That was your test. Yeah. That was, that was my test. So, yeah. so and it, honestly, so the kind of the what got I've been thinking about the idea for a long time, and um, I saw I've been really I've actually made one of those bags out of a heavy canvas material, and I saw one of the Montana Trapper bags that uh, like Minnesota Trapline Products sells them, and uh, I think Andy Weiser he's he's got a bag that's made that they make for him, but it's it's that. And it was made out of that vinyl coated polyester. I didn't know what it was to start with, but I saw it. And so I started kind of Googling what, because it's, you know, kind of a rubberized material. Yeah. yeah. It's not supposed to be brittle when, when it gets cold and things. And, and uh, so that's, I was, I was trying to figure out what the optimum material would be. And I saw that bag and the, the bags, those bags aren't made anything like my bag. They're made kind of a bucket style still. Right. So I said, man, that, that seems like a, a uh, no-brainer so that's 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 kind of how i came came to that material yeah so for folks that aren't familiar it's the short liner bag that chris makes by hand and it the thing the thing that got me interested in it is the size it's it's the right length to hold basically everything that doesn't fit in a bucket right that's right um, it's just, or any any of the other trapping bags that i've seen on the market or tool bags that you buy from lowe's you always got some handles hanging out of the bag and that was always just a just a nitpicky thing honestly but it was something that i felt like i could improve on and so that's what the the main impetus for the bag was i want all of my trapping supplies to fit inside this bag yeah. for my trapping tools 
the longest thing I've got is the Earth Anchor Driver, and uh, just it fits just right. So um, if that fits in, everything else fits. Um, how long? How long is that? Is that like twenty something inches? It's about twenty eight inches. I cut the, the fabric thirty in length, but then uh, I fold it and sew, or I, I sew it to itself and fold it inside, so it loses a little bit. So it's pr- it's about twenty eight inches total length. Yeah. And have you got feedback from other people that have used it so far? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've had the 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 biggest <laughs> the biggest gripe I've gotten back is I don't have any place for for lures and yes. things. I've been working on that. <laughs> yeah. I've been working on that too. But yes, yeah, it's, it's been uh, I've been really it's been some really good feedback. I, I've sent heck I've sent some a couple to Canada. Um, it's been it's been pretty fun just hearing from people about it. So where do we find it? CoyoteTrappingSchool.com or just Google short liner trapping bag and it should pop up. I got a video on YouTube about it. You got a video on YouTube about it. Um, that's it. Good deal. Or email me, shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and I'll get you fixed up. Awesome. So your plans for the upcoming season? Hopefully catching more coyotes than I have lately. So I, uh, I am going to Texas middle of november i got two weeks trapping in west texas which i'm super pumped about nice Uh, just from a general all-around predators hopefully we're going to hammer some coyotes and see some really awesome rugged country um and maybe cross paths with a a lion and some really nice cats um but that's one thing that i've i've been doing over this since last trapping season i've been really trying to study trapping more and um seeing where I can improve because I don't feel like I am where I want to be so far as what my catch is. Um, so I've, I read O'Gorman, I ordered O'Gorman's book and his updates and uh, ordered, um, I'll shoot the, the guy in New Mexico. I can't remember the name of the book. Lucero. Yeah, Lucero, James Lucero. ordered his Master Wolfer book and Clint Locklear's um Eastern Wolfer book, just really trying to study how these pro guys, you know, how do they break down and target catching coyotes. And? And I think, I think we probably, at least from those guys' perspectives, a lot of us overthink um, (laughs) and trapping coyotes is is my major takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One of the things I I had a guy named Eric Martin on the podcast a few episodes ago, and he I think he hit the nail on the head. He said that the most the common theme that he sees with all these guys and he took instruction from O'Gorman and uh, and Bob, uh, Bob went and and some of the other guys. And he said he said the one common theme among all those guys is complete and utter confidence in their abilities. Hmm. unshaking so uh there is no doubt and we oftentimes i think guys with less experience we tend to second guess and doubt ourselves instead of just you know moving on and putting in another set or or going to another area or or, well you know the weather's pretty rough and now there's not much here and uh, whereas you know the pro really uh, puts his head down and and carries on yeah yeah, I, actually, it's funny. I I just listened to that podcast today, and what he was talking about of, you know, your volume, the the way you're going to catch more is you don't sit there and tinker with your sets that you already got. <laughs> you put more sets in. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Yeah, and I I I always pick things up. I I don't know. It's probably because I I don't know if it's a short attention span or my memory's not that good or what. But I so I so I've I've got. Um, my favorite trapping book is High Rolling Fox Trapping a decade later. That's uh, the O'Gorman Fox book. Yeah. And I read it every year. Um, and, and I read it because <laughs> I, I don't even, I didn't even, I haven't even fox and coyote trapped for years until this year. But I always pick a little something up. And, and really, it's the mindset. You just kind of see O'Gorman's mindset and his, the way he's thinking about catching animals. Uh, that mentality is really, to me, it's really motivational. So, so I read it and kind of get in that groove of, you know, confidence and, and working hard and everything and not letting those obstacles get in your way. But then 
I also will have like one or two things. If you know, I'll be sitting down in, at night before bed reading it. I'll pick up one or two things, and it's like, oh, I don't remember reading that, but that you know that makes a lot of sense. So uh, and and I've done that. I've got hoofbeats, hoofbeats of a wolfer. Actually, I'm looking around here. I've got it. Here it is. And I read something on it last night. Just I was trying to skim over after I'd gone out in the on the line and look for coyote location. I was trying to figure out uh, where, wh- how am I doing in terms of home ranges? You know, because uh, I put out 20 or 30 sets. I don't want to have 20, 30 sets on one home range. But at the same time, like you look at Russ Carmen's book, he talks about putting two traps and going miles away and putting two traps and going miles away. Well, I can't do that either because I got to check all these before work. I got to be at work at eight o'clock in the morning. So uh, going, going through all this, I'm thinking, okay, what, what, what do I have to do in terms of uh, figuring out, you know, how far apart do I need to space my traps and everything else? And of course it all depends, right? So I get to read an O'Gorman at Hoofbeats last night and I, I pulled up this little section and he, he mentioned exactly the, the issue that I was talking about. And of course I don't have it in front of me right now, but he talked about, he wants to put, I believe, uh, somewhere around half a dozen sets per home range. Hmm. So I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense. And he said, and, and of course it depends on where you're at. That can, the size of home range can vary so much depending on your coyote population. But, you know, let's say it's, uh, yeah, here's what he said. He said, be on a litter or a pack with six to 14 traps over a three mile or so area. So I'm looking back to my notes from yesterday and I I had a three, four mile area that was loaded with sign. Every single road, little side road had coyote scat and tracks. And then I went three or four miles with absolutely no sign, not a single coyote dropping or a track. Well, that's odd. Well, I kept going another and after that three, four miles and, oh, we're back into it again. So it started to click, you know, okay, I, now I'm in another home range. This is where I want to set up my six to whatever number of traps. Right. So just tiny things like that. You know, I, uh, I like, I like that idea of trying to, to read and pick things up from these guys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would, especially for you. I mean, you're in kind of a similar situation as me. If you, if you hadn't read, Locklear's Eastern Wolfer. That it's a it's you know he's he's a big study of uh O'Gorman and just yeah. the way that he he talks about targeting coyotes is really different than you hear most people talk about. Uh, you know he talks about the modern everything myself included. Everybody that touts you know how to trap a coyote is is really they've taken fox trapping and built it up to. To trapping coyotes because you know that's what everybody in the east was was fox trappers versus you know targeting coyotes and not just taking a, a blown up fox set um and uh and you know not not sticking with the norms of you know if a location's good enough for one it's good enough for two i've said that a thousand times <laughs> and uh, he talks about you know so often and it, it hit me right between the eyes he talks about uh you know how many how often do you have a double you know, not very often, and with coyotes especially. He said, you know, a lot of times you've got one coyote there, but you set two traps, and, you know, a lot of times that first location is a is a dead giveaway. You know, you know that's where you're going to set a trap. And he said, you put the other trap there just because that's what you're supposed to do. And so you're forcing that trap there versus what if you went 100, 200 yards down the road to a game trail crossing, and, you know, set your trap there instead of forcing it two traps at that one intersection. Uh, just little things like that that really got me thinking that just about doing some, some stuff different this season and seeing what happens. Yeah, and, and it's it's not necessarily, again, not a rule of thumb to do it that way either with one set. Right. It's, just, it's just the mindset, how you go about making that decision. There's no hard and fast rules. Um, the whole di- how far back do you set your trap? from your bait or from your backing from your dirt hole. Right. Is it seven to 10 inches? Is it, do you measure? I I'm trying not to measure anymore. Oh, I've never measured. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not that detailed, but usually I put, I mean, right on the rim. Once the rim, where the rim of my dirt hole is, is where I start my trap bed. So, I mean, my traps right there jam up close to it. Yeah. 
and that can depend you know you can have an area it could depend on how deep your hole is or how steep your hole is so the angle of your hole um, could depend on the the terrain uh, the surrounding what the ground is like around there what you got for blocking there's just it, every situation is different yep that's right so, so do you have things that uh, so you're going to go to Texas and I'm sure that's going to be a heck of a learning experience and, and you're going to be taking videos all the way through, I imagine. Oh yeah. And do you, do you have ideas on how, how are you going to change what you do in Georgia uh, this season to up your coyote catch or to try so, to anyway? One thing is in a your Eric, I think was the, uh, interview that he kind of hit on it too. I, I was really in, interested when he started talking about lure usage. And that's one thing that I think O'Gorman and Locklear talk a lot about is, is using bait. You know, you're from their perspective, and I'm not saying this as me knowing it, I'm saying from me reading it from their perspective, you know, your bait is what's going to keep an animal there. That's what's going to keep him there longer, something that he wants to eat. So using you know, a big bait using, using more bait, I guess you could say. And, and, uh, Clint talked about using natural baits. So I've been saving, I've caught some beavers this summer. I've been hacking off hind quarters and front quarters and anything that I, <laughs> that I think might, might make a good, I'll stake it down or shove it down a hole or, or, uh, you know, anything like that. Um, beaver tails, whatever. That's, that's one of the bigger things that I'm going to, going to try to do is using more natural bait um, using more bait in general and not getting so hung up on, um, dirt holes, but, but, um, you know, trying to just incorporate, you know, more like a, maybe like a trash set or something where, a you know, a, a buried, um, like a cash set where, a, you know, a bobcat might bury, bury something under leaves and, and litter. And, um, I don't know, just, just not get so focused on well this is going to be a dirt hole and this is going to be a flat set but just put in put in a set that where they're sign and and uh you know like i said not not focus so much on the intersections unless there's a lot of sign at the intersection that dictates yeah i'm definitely need at least two traps here but if there's a little bit of sign but there's and i mean I, as i was reading that i was thinking of a, a, a property i trapped this past year that uh, I did a little bit of that because I, I would see little trails or down here we've got where you get kind of steep areas on the roads on the logging roads and they'll do water bars that will kind of push off the road and off into the pine plantation or whatever is adjacent and sometimes you'll see tracks and trails you know kind of cutting out through those water bars and things um, so just looking looking at location a little bit different and not forcing, you know, the major locations, but trying to set up, you know, any, any good looking location that there's sign there. And if it looks like a reasonable location, then don't second guess it, throw a, throw a trap in there and, and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have, uh, did you have, you talking about the bait usage and stuff. Did you have coyotes that you felt were in your area last the last few seasons that you weren't catching because of the way the set was made or what, what you had for lure or bait? I, I felt like I had, I had coyotes in the area that I wasn't catching and yeah. I couldn't tell you why. One big thing that I'm doing this year, I've been using speed dip on my coy, uh, my traps for a while. And I, I like it just cause I really like the coating that it puts on it. Um, but with the, the odors of it, it's, it's got me a little, just wondering if that has anything to do. So I'm changing that up. I'm actually, painting all of my traps with rust-oleum this go around and probably will dip them in full metal jacket before using them um but uh so that's a big thing trying to get one of the other things that that i noticed was um you know using your time effectively so trying to put in sets in a quick manner and so using i'll be using i'm gonna try using more drags this year and especially in some of our hard ground, instead of trying to beat a stake in a cable stake, just throw that drag out, set the trap, yeah. and then go on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I'm jealous. We can't use drags up here. Um, one of our another one of our crazy regulations. But I'll tell you what: to get on an area where you really where the trap should be set, as opposed to getting way off of the travel way, which here is mostly the logging roads. 
you got to pound through some rock and uh, all equipment all gets beat up. Finally, I had a guy that traps uh, local here, um, real good trapper. He's a good coyote killer. And he he put me on to uh, a hammer drill and a masonry bit. And I've been good. I mean, this ground, you can't get a wolf fang in it. So I've been, I've been pre-drilling with the masonry bit, like a half inch bit, and then pounding in super stakes and pounding the living daylights out of them just to get them 12 inches in the ground uh, and then digging the trap bed out. So it is, it is a, a, a lot of, a lot of effort when, when it would be awfully nice if you could just toss in a drag and be done with it. Yeah, I guess so. That young. Yeah, but uh, trappers will find a way usually. That's right. That's right. So uh, anyway, I I wanted to. The whole reason I thought I'd get you on here was I'd heard that you've been to uh, the national convention, and most trappers have never been to one. I've never been to one. Been to to local, state conventions, regional stuff, but uh, I wanted to hear what that was all about. Yeah, yeah, so I made the, this was, the convention was in Springfield, Missouri, which is, I guess, I don't know in the past where it's been, but one of the farthest south places that I can remember in, in recent years, and so I said, well, that's it. It was a pretty good drive, but I made the drive, I thought it was worthwhile, so. How far? Um, 11 hours. Wow, yeah. A pretty good haul. Yeah, it is. Um, But man, it was, it was, uh, it was really it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And honestly, the, in talking to some guys there, some of the, uh, more Northern guys, I guess, some of the, the dealers and, and all, um, the way they made it sound like some of the conventions you get up around Pennsylvania or, uh, especially in Michigan, um, even the, the state conventions are as big as, you know, like the Springfield convention for the national. Really? Uh, so, so that was one thing that I, that, that's what several of them said, you know, this is, it was, it was a good show. It was definitely a good show. There was a lot of vendors there, uh, a lot of good demos and, you know, a lot of people there, but they just talked about how, how much more, how much more, I guess, overall welcoming, you know, they said you go in, I guess, you know, it's been in Escanaba. Escanaba. Oh, yeah. There's all, I've heard all kinds of good things about Escanaba. Yeah, I mean, signs all over the city about welcome trappers and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And you didn't see any signs around Springfield, Missouri about anything like that. So um, not that not that it was a bad place to, to have it, um, but just that it made me want to it gave me the itch to go to, a you know, try to make a swing a convention in Missouri or Pennsylvania or somewhere like that. So yeah. but overall, I mean, I was. I've only I've I've been to a few of the southeastern regionals and then you know our local Georgia one which is at best like three dealers, yeah, um, yeah. So it's a uh, pretty pretty small potatoes. But um, any idea how many people go went to the Springfield convention? I I couldn't tell you. Um, I don't have a clue. It was I mean any time it was it was constantly packed and folks going in and out. Um, a lot of vendors and, and that, that's one of the really neat things I, I like about, you know, our, the trapping industry. I don't want to say our industry, but the trapping industry is, you know, you go to a convention like that and you got the big names in trapping um, that are, you know, on the backside of those tables and you can go up and just sit down and talk with them about, you know, what issues you're having or, or you know, ask them whatever question you want. It's, and they're not too important to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Cause I did that at, at uh, Olson's in here in Western Maine this summer, I I went up and started talking to Russ Carmen, and it, I tell you what, I was nervous about. I I didn't want to go up and talk to him. I thought, man, this guy's you know this is one of the most famous guys in the trapping industry, and uh, I, I walked up to him and started talking and picking his brain, and he's just the nicest guy to talk to, just like talking to yeah. you. It's a uh... That that's one you know. There, I don't there. I don't know where else you can go and talk to the pros of the industry that easily and that readily. That's a that's a really neat neat thing. So so uh, who did you who did you run into that we might know? So I talked with uh, which I, I got a couple of interviews, a couple of podcast interviews out of. Uh, but I talked with Jeff Haggerty of maker inventor of the Hags brackets, right? 
Yeah. Uh, Tim and Rob Caven, Minnesota Trapline Products. Um, I talked with Clint Locklear. Um, the Hoosier Trapper guys, Charlie and Justin, talked with them. Andy Weiser, I talked with him a little bit about about uh, trapping cat. He gave me some recommendations on some of his his lures for uh, lion trapping. Um, I talked with, I think it's Jim Comstock. Yeah, yeah, the cage trap guy. Yeah, yeah, super man. I, I was really just some of the the nuisance trapping work I've been doing lately. I was really intrigued, and man, he gave me a super in depth demo of his traps and how they work, and and uh, I I talked to him easily for thirty minutes at, at least about <laughs> that. Um, just super knowledgeable, and man, he's got some he's got some jam up traps for sure. Um. I didn't talk with Mark June. I talked with Rusty Johnson, which I know Rusty, he's a Georgia boy. Um, yeah, they say June usually has a, a flock or, uh, all around him. Uh, it kind of may, may, may be hard to, hard to get his ear. Yeah. There's, there's several of the, the, the places, the, the guys that are, it's hard to catch. It's hard to catch when uh, nobody's there already chatting with them. So, yeah. And it, and it was just a, a ton of other other folks there, some other smaller trapping, you know, vendors and dealers and um, folks selling stretchers. And it was it was a, it was a really neat. If it's if if you've got one within driving range of you, I, I would definitely encourage you to drive and, and go see it. Or it was it was a lot of fun. Now, my friend Cole that is probably listening to this, he always likes a deal. We go to those conventions, and he's always looking at tailgates for cheap traps. Uh, yeah. Do you find any of that? No, I, uh, I'm, I don't really, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, a used trap guru too much. Um, <laughs> there was, there was a, there was plenty of tailgaters there, and I kind of walked through and and looked at what they had, but, but uh, I'm not, I'm not up on that on the use traps and all that much. So I don't, uh, you didn't, wheel, you didn't do, do any wheeling and dealing there. No, I'm, not, I'm not a very good wheeler and dealer. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. And were you, uh, since your podcast famous and YouTube famous, do you have people come up to you and recognize you? I was surprised at how many people that I had <laughs> recognized me and come up and talk to me. Um, that was, it feels that weird. Was, huh? It feels really weird. It was really, <laughs> there was, there was two younger younger guys that um, when I was walking around and I I could tell that they they were trying to figure out who I was or debating on if I really was <laughs> me or something. You know, I, I bet you I walked by them or they walked by me three or four times and they finally came up and and talked to me and um it was it was kind of funny. We were standing right beside the the NTA booth um and those guys walked up. I I, I carried I carried a couple hats with me. I gave them some hats and. They wanted to know if I'd sign it, and so I started signing them. And one of the girls in the NTA booth looked at me and said, "Who are you?" Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just internet famous. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. A lot, it, and it's funny. A lot of people that you talk to, uh, they don't know what a podcast is. Uh, but then there's other guys that are in their 70s that. They're like, hey man, I listen to the podcast. Good job. <laughs> yeah, that was that was what I was really on edge about. Was I really wanted to talk to some more people and try to get some interviews lined up? But like you say, I don't have to. Pay, have, sometimes you're gonna have to explain what a podcast is, and it's like, man, I don't, it's a kind of it's it's surprising how many people how many people are uh, are tuning in though getting are up on that so oh yeah give it a few more years everybody will have a podcast so what's what's the new thing what's the next thing after podcast that we're going to be doing oh man i don't i don't know i don't want to do live streaming um count me out i'll stick to i'll stick I'm to the podcast come on now <laughs> That's probably what's next. Maybe virtual reality. People just yeah. follow you right on your trap line like they're there. Yeah, we can wear those uh one of those virtual three three hundred sixty degree cameras on our head and post a VR VR trap line runs. Yeah. Yeah, that might be alright, I guess. Yeah. But Well, so the so the convention was good. That's good, uh and 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 you recommend if guys are close by, uh, 
try to make it. It's worth it. Yeah, they had some really, really cool demos. One of the, I didn't even mention it, but Tom Miranda was there. Um, and he, he was at the uh, Minnesota Trapline Products booth. He had his he, he had a few of his books and hats and whatnot, and he gave a couple of demos, not not trapping-specific demos, but kind of um, a little kind of mindset and, you know, kind of how he... Hard work, yeah. Right, right. Um, so that was, I don't know, that's... I, I appreciated that just from, I've, I've kind of heard his spiel a couple times now, and so I, I wish that there was something a little different, but I, I remember seeing him, you know, I watched him on when I was in school on Advantage Adventures, you know, and um, saw him, I don't know why I remember, but I never realized that he was a trapper until one of his uh, episodes is, he was sitting in an antelope blind reading I don't know, one of the little old trapping books, Dirt Hole Secrets or something like that. <laughs> and uh, and that's when I realized and put it all together that he had kind of gotten started as a trapper. So that's always intrigued me about him from, you know, starting as a trapper to what he is today. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, quite a guy. You didn't interview him, though. No, no, I didn't. I think you – I know he would have been game because uh, the, the Hoosier guys, they interviewed him. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, that's a good interview. Yep. So, yeah. Well, good. Awesome, Chris. Well, hey, um, what else you want to talk about? I'm pretty much out. Well, I, I do have some questions for you. Um, okay. Talking about dog trapping, and, and you may kind of pass it before you even get to, before it even gets that harsh, but I get a lot of questions about freeze proofing sets. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have that problem, so I have a hard time answering that question. But I figured some main trapper might know a little bit about freeze proof and coyote sets. So, can you enlighten me any, on anything there? Uh, I I really can't give you any long answer. There's a two word answer. It's called wax dirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's about it. It's like magic. I don't know what we did without it. Um, <laughs> guys, guys do use uh, peat moss. That'll that'll soak up a lot of moisture and, and that'll help when you get a little bit of a little bit of rain and then it freezes overnight. But wax dirt is just like magic and water just runs right through it and it, it doesn't clump up and uh that's that's the best advice I have is use wax dirt. <laughs> gotcha. So do you do you mix any of the dirt? Because in the very extremely limited experience I've had with wax dirt, it doesn't seem to pack really solid. Um, I, I've played around with it a little bit and I haven't had any trouble, but, uh, I will say, uh, what I'm using. So I'm pretty fortunate here because I live where I live. I'm on kind of like an old riverbed and, uh, I have a band of about three to four feet of solid. It's a loamy, silty sand mm-hmm. and it is, you can dig three, four feet down where my house is sitting right now down to bedrock and it's, you won't find a rock. It's all the same size grain and it's like a sandy type of dirt. So it's almost like more like wax sand. Uh, but there are all, you know, there's also fines in it, but it's not like the fluffy wax dirt. Like you oftentimes see at conventions that's for sale. So, so this is more of a wax dirt, wax, dirty sand, if you will. And I've had, I've had good luck. Um, bedding with it so but i of course i haven't i haven't done it for years i've I've just started using it so uh, i'll be able to tell you more later on but i so far it it works pretty good i think it's just the consistency of having that more of that sandy and mixed material as opposed to just a bunch of, of fine stuff right right so how much wax dirt do you have prepped for the season uh you never can have enough apparently <laughs> from everybody i've yeah. i've heard from i've I've put uh, what I I wanted to do the initially, of course, you know, best laid plans. I wanted to lay it out on tarp and get it in the hot sun and 80 degrees. Uh, and and you can when you buy waxed when you buy wax for it's called flake wax, but it's really like sugar. I mean, it's the consistency of sugar. You buy it yeah. in five or ten pound bags, and you can spread your dirt. And you and you you run it through a sifter, or if you got like I have, I don't even need to sift it. And you get that dirt and you spread it out over a black tarp in on a hot sunny day, which you have plenty of. We don't have a whole lot of them. 
<laughs> over here. <laughs> but uh, and then you just take that wax and you sprinkle it all over the the surface of that dirt, and you let that bake in the sun, and that'll slowly melt into the dirt. And then you just take like a rake and you keep mixing it up, um, and and you, very little effort you have wax dirt I, i've also i read somewhere on trapper man guy a guy was you he was uh he'd go to work and he'd put it in a like a tupperware container in under the the tunnel cover of his truck the yeah. black you know this really hot sunny day have his truck parked out in the sun and he'd sprinkle wax over the top of the dirt in that in that container stick it in the bed of the truck and at the end of the day he's got wax dirt so, so those are like passive ways to do it. And if you're like me and you're too busy in the summer, uh, you're doing it on the wood stove. So what I've been doing lately is I get a big metal pot. And when I'm here working in the fur shed, just, you know, tinkering with traps or putting together earth anchors or whatever, recording a podcast or something, um, I, I'll have, uh, I'll have that pot on the wood stove and I'll, I'll dump a little bit of dirt in it. I'll sprinkle a little bit of wax in it. I'll let it heat up. I'll just stir it with a wooden stick and uh, stir it, stir it, maybe sprinkle a little more wax in, stir it until that wax gets melted and it looks like it's evenly distributed. Then I put in a five gallon pail with a lid on it and I'll probably, I'm only going to run about 20 to 30 sets here and I'll, I'm probably going to have eight or 10 five gallon pails of wax dirt and I don't know if it'll be too much or not enough. It probably depends on how long I trap. I probably won't trap for much more than, for coyotes for much more than 10 days or maybe two weeks. So it'll probably yeah. be more than I need. Gotcha. So what is the temperature right now in Maine? Uh, it's it's actually warm today. We get some south wind and some rain, so it's in the 50s. Um, but it's been getting down to, uh, it's been, been freezing overnight. Uh, most most nights when if it's not if it's not a cloudy night if it's a clear night it freezes every night now Um, the other day we had a we had a pretty big moon and no clouds in the sky and we got into the 20s into the mid to low 20s so it's it's getting there yeah uh, just you talking about being in the first shed with a with, with the stove, stove. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. not logical if you're in Georgia in October. I made it, put it this way, I made a fire before I come in here to talk with you, but I let it die out because, you know, it's it's a little too warm to do that, to keep a fire going right now. But uh, uh, probably in another week when this, this weather pattern changes back again, we're going to be back to to uh, burning, burning quite a bit of wood. So. Gotcha. Hmm. But it's that time of year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm still waiting for that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I sometimes I get a little jealous. I try not to. I try to be content and remember that uh, I don't have to deal with much ninety degrees and and ninety percent humidity. Yeah, yeah. I'm when it comes to dealing with frozen ground and all that. I I do appreciate the the conditions that we have down here. I'm not I'm not upset about that. So yeah. But yeah, I used to, when I started trapping, again, this is a guy that I haven't coyote trapped in years. And when I started, I was in high school and it was wax dirt. If it was a thing, it wasn't a very common thing. And we'd just take dry dirt. We'd go find anthill dirt in the summer and, and we'd store up as much dry dirt as we could. And that's what we used. Uh, you, you know, used maybe a little bit of peat moss, but mostly uh, just we'd get rain and it would freeze we just go over, dig your trap out, set it off, pull the crusty uh, frozen dirt out of the trap bed and have your dry dirt along with you and remake the set. And you just you just keep remaking sets every time it got wet and froze. Gotcha. Fair enough. Well, lastly, I guess, we, you asked me the big question, so I'm going to ask you the big question. Turn the table. So what's what's upcoming for trapping today? Uh, I, I don't know for sure. Um, I feel like I, I haven't had a real big boost of energy. (laughs) I thought I would have one. Um, I, I, I don't know. I've been, I've been thinking about that a little bit. I'm working on the book, working on a book, uh, old, 
Walter Arnold, old legendary main trapper, and, and uh, I really haven't devoted enough time to that uh, to be able to say, oh yeah, I can go and work on something else. I really need to to get my head down and do that. And I don't even know if it'll sell. I, I just it's a project that I really want to get done <laughs> because I said I was going to do it. Um, yeah. I, I'm putting out a podcast every week, and I'll continue to do that as long as I am able to do so. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, I I never know what that's going to be. It could be uh, just me chatting, talking about my trap line. It'll probably be a lot of that during the season because it'll be it'll be quite busy and difficult to keep keep up with sitting down for a couple hours and and getting prepared and doing all that. It'll just be running and going. Uh, or it could be you know some big name like I got Stan Zaray uh, for this uh, this weekend. I interviewed Stan from Yukon Men. Uh, yeah, real cool, awesome guy to talk to, and and something I never thought I'd be able to do. So, uh, could be something like that. It could be uh, just uh, me jabbering, but I, I will put a pack podcast out every week. Um, and then I want to get back to doing more of of what I did initially on trapping today on the website before I got into podcasting. I want to I want to get more into uh, you know a few articles and. Uh, product reviews and things like that um uh, just get it getting more content on the site I, I i feel like i i have gone gotten away from that a little bit so i want to get back to it a little more gotcha well i'll be honest with you from my perspective i feel like uh, i'm always getting an email from trapping today about a new blog post or new something i'm like man i hadn't posted anything this week and jeremiah's killing it so i uh that's how I feel when I see your, your all your YouTube videos. <laughs> I want to I have 355 YouTube videos too. That's a goal. <laughs> yeah, I finally got. I I I I don't know how many I have, but I I I finally got to where uh, I was catching a little bit of momentum. But uh, I've got like 1,200 subscribers. It looks you're over 10,000, so I got a long ways to go. But that's a good target. Um, yeah, there you I, go. I, I, uh, it's funny. It's like, like Instagram, you know, I, I post a bunch, I went on there during trapping season and I had a bunch of stuff and I post things up and post things up. And after a while, I just kind of thought, well, I don't know, that was, that was fun and it was good. And I get a lot of feedback, but it was also very time consuming and I just don't feel like doing it right now. <laughs> so yeah. It's hard to stay focused on what what is going to work, and that's the good thing about the podcast is uh, I had some I don't know maybe some sort of intuition that it was going to work, and I really enjoyed it. And the feedback that I was getting from people, even from the very beginning, was was a motivator, and it all was kind of like uh, it was easy to keep going. And and I'm there's no doubt in my mind that that's why it became successful is because. I've put out a podcast episode every week for the last year and a half. Um, yep. it, you know, and, I, and I'm sure that just like anything else, if a guy put out a YouTube video twice a week or three times a week for a year, you'd have 10,000 subscribers. If a guy, you know, it, it, it all works that way. It's just trying to discipline yourself and what, you no, know, getting the idea or the feeling of what's going to work and then actually following through with that and having the, uh, persistence, <laughs> Tom Miranda, I got it written down yep. here. Tom Miranda uh, talks about patience, persistence, and hard work and having that combination of those three things uh, and, and just kind of having that intuition that it's going to work is, uh, is probably how things succeed. Yep. I think uh, I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more with you on that. It is, is definitely, it, it does get to be a grind sometimes, especially like you said earlier, you never know what's going to be the next thing. And, you know, trying to pick and decide what, what's going to be the the best way to you know, put your message out there is definitely, there's, there's a lot of options there, but the, the podcast, I, I'm with you, the podcast, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. I think people, as much as, you know, the YouTube, the, the benefit of the video and I've even seen it on my YouTube videos is people seem to really enjoy the, the long form content, the, you yeah. know, hour long podcast where we're, you know, talking serious trapping stuff, you know, people like that. Um, so I think, 
I'm 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 glad I I'm glad you spurned me on to starting the podcast. I wish I only wish I'd have started sooner. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, Chris, thanks for coming on. We're we're gonna have to do it again. Maybe uh, maybe when you get back from Texas. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be tickled to to talk about it. I hope I hope it's gonna be worth talking about. How about that? Yeah, we'll look forward to to seeing your videos. Uh, that you post up on all those catches and or or non catches it's still it's still all good to follow it's all a story and and uh, uh that's one of the things that i like about you is you're not too proud to show uh instances where you have not succeeded and uh, it makes a lot of people feel like you know they can relate to that because because yep. uh, you know we all we all have that <laughs> if there are some people that don't but i'm not one of them <laughs> that's right me either you, yeah, there's plenty of evidence of that so <laughs> all right well thanks chris good to have you on we'll we'll catch yeah, man, you I appreciate it.